Good morning and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. In recent weeks, there have been a number of conferences that have not elected to cancel all of their fall seasons, but just some of their fall seasons. And so I was thinking about this and invited a colleague of mine who's a public health uh, uh, scholar and also somebody who loves sports to kind of have an interesting discussion about what our takes are on why sports are canceled or allowed to participate in the era of COVID-19. So my guest is Ross Akins, and Ross teaches college student health at the University of Pennsylvania. And he and I have had a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek conversation around those sports that we try and hope that will come back and what the reality is for them actually coming back. So this is meant to be taken in a very lighthearted way and we certainly hope that you get a smile out of this conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Today, I'm joined by Ross Akins. Ross is a colleague of mine at the University of Pennsylvania. He is an adjunct assistant professor and the program manager of the higher education division inside of the Graduate School of Education at Penn. And he and I have been uh, great banterers about what's going on in the sports world, what sports might be good to try to implement under COVID-19, what sports we both agree on, we should go nowhere on. And there are some sports where he thinks one way and I think the other. So to take a break from all the seriousness of the podcast, we decided to allow you to listen in on some of our conversations about the return of sports to the 2021 academic year. Ross, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Karen. This is a real treat. I think you, you aptly described we love bantering about college sports. Yeah, I, I think that that pretty much nails it in terms of well, how I want this conversation to be and uh, what we're prepared for going forward. So Ross, you have some athletic credentials yourself, so please uh, let us know what those are. I do. Well, well, mostly, and I think this is why you, know, you and I sort of hit it off, is I'm, I'm a big fan of sports professional and, of course, college sports. Um, I always liked basketball to play a lot, um, but uh, I was sort of better at swimming and water polo. I'm wearing right now a uh, Stanford Club water polo t-shirt. So I think I probably peaked in high school. I was pretty good, but then I went to play Division Three varsity water polo uh, at Occidental College. And it's funny, you know, collegiate water polo is, is a little different because there's not a lot of teams. It's very regional. And so we would play these powerhouse teams like Pepperdine or Long Beach State. And so it's, it's almost like Duke basketball playing Occidental College in basketball or something. So it was a real shellacking. But I was the goalie, so I saw lots of action either way. So See, um, but yeah. another reason why we get along, I too was a goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper in field hockey. That's right. I forgot you were a goalie in yeah. field hockey. Well, I was only a junior Olympian. You were a real Olympian. So, <laughs> so some difference in our peaks. But um, yeah, and, and, and since then, just paying attention to the landscape of college sports, maybe not the depth you have, but I always love waxing sports for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So to help our listeners understand our very detailed, a, a, a precise uh, measuring system, we've decided to go with three colors, red, yellow, and green, kind of like a traffic light say what sports do we think have at least should be considering returning in the fall of 2020 what sports we think have a lot of hiccups and those would be yellow in terms of their, their return and what sports that we say there's absolutely no way on this earth those sports should think about returning and those would be red lights is that how you see it ross that's pretty much it. Yeah, the, the green lights, you don't really need to do too much. We see a pretty foreseeable path forward. Yellow, you know, maybe with some modification, with testing, maybe there are aspects of the sport that make them less risky than a, a red light sport, but, but give us a little more concern than a green light sport. Uh, and then red is just, it's, it's hard to see a path going forward with what we know about COVID transmission at this point. Absolutely. And again, we're doing this at the end of July. <clears throat> so it's, right. In certain conferences, there have been multiple decisions made already, particularly on schools that don't have quite the resources in terms of testing and tracing and facility cleaning. So some schools have already made these decisions, but we are still looking at the Power Five and much of the Division I landscape still trying to decide what they're going to do. And I noticed even today, Ross, that some Division II programs have elected to move forward with non-contact sports but to close down what they deem as contact sports. So perhaps they're 
guidelines will be, um, are, we will use those to inform our discussions here today. As right, well. right. Yeah. yeah, this is this is a, a ball in motion, so to speak, pun intended there. I In terms of like some conferences are trying to be more regional with travel. Um, also, you know, we're seeing some professional leagues, these sort of the, the test cases, uh, some of which, you know, who are very well resourced, like European soccer, the NBA, uh, are doing pretty well with these these biosecure bubble environments. That's a luxury that, that I don't think any sort of college uh, league or division is proposed, but uh, then you have baseball, and as of this this uh, recording, we just heard that uh, a number of Miami Marlins are here in Philadelphia being quarantined because of uh, an outbreak within their team. So, you know, it's it's a real mixed bag in terms of success that even these really well-resourced professional leagues are dealing with. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start with our red, yellow, green metric and start with our fall sports. So why don't you start with whatever one sport you want to talk about, and we'll go down the list. Well, I, I think we should probably start with the big one. And, and I think it's, you know, football is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm not. That is, it is our biggest revenue sport that we have. Correct. Yes. Um, and, and I think I'm paraphrasing Tony Kornheiser when he said that, that football is a fountain, a geyser of spittle and particulate. It is, it is really big teams. I mean, football, and I, listen, I am a football fan, a fan of collegiate football and my brother played football. I, I do have some concerns about the game. I have, I have two young boys um, my partner is a neuroscientist, so I, I really doubt that our kids will play football for reasons related to um, concussions and, and, and brain science. Nonetheless, it's a fantastic sport that I very much enjoy. And so I'm rooting for it to, to be safe and to return. I, I just don't see a way forward, Karen. This is a glaring red light for me for, for a lot of different reasons. I think it combines huge roster sizes. You have lots and lots of players on a team, huge coaching staffs. Um, they're all in close contact just with the nature of the game. Um, I mean, it is outdoors and I, I do understand, I think spiritually what football means to college sports, especially in parts of the country, everybody's rooting for it. Um, it, it's just, I don't see any way that this is going to be anything other than a red light. You know, I have to agree with you. I think there's be other situations where we're going to disagree, but I have to agree with you. And, and anybody who's read any of my four articles, let's say in the last two months, probably will understand why I think this way. But I highlight the, 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 the testing and the tracing, the role of, of, of all of our college campuses inside of our communities. Our communities uh, you know, need access to the healthcare systems that if we were to create an outbreak within a football program that would stress our local community hospitals. So I'm right with you there. Yeah, I think as, as of this uh, time, Rutgers had an incident very recently, the past several days where there was an outbreak on their team. And, and I think we're likely to see this, Karen. I know that I think the Pac-12, uh, who I'm repping right now, uh, is, is uh, they did sort of the regional plan for, for staying in conference or half conferences. I don't think that's that's nearly good enough, unfortunately. And it is unfortunate. And you look at the Pac-12 as a region. I mean, Washington State down to Arizona, where are some of the biggest hot, hot outbreaks right now? Arizona and Southern California. I don't know how, if you're not gonna have regular schools, how do you insulate the athletes from the rest of the environment? It's, it's impossible. Really tough, really tough to do. Oh, poor football. Well. Do you want to move on to the next one? or We can move on, yes. All right, this is a great pace. I'm just sort of getting the sense yeah. for the pace of this. Well, the upside, here's our next one. I think this is a green light. So the next one is cross country. This is our first. Actually, no, I'm t I take that back. I had a yellow light for cross country, but make it, maybe it's a yellowish green. I, I think it's doable. The thing about cross country is running in packs is not ideal. You, know, you have to stagger runners across different intervals to sort of space the field a little bit. And you'd also have to arrange courses in a rate so that runners aren't sort of running around a hairpin turn. So they're basically not just doubling back on the same course, because then you have situations where runners are, are running directly uh, in the path of one another. So you can't do that um, because you just you, you want to avoid any situation where you're breathing heavily, um, having people running by each other. But I think it's doable. So I'm in a definite yellow category on this one because I've actually talked to a couple of cross-country coaches mm. and they know what the, the battle is with elbowing and trying to get one step in front of the other and, and the chances oh, yeah. of, of bumping into people. You know, they, uh, while it's nice to think about a leisurely jog along Kelly Drive, 
There's just too many ways for cross-country runners to come into contact with each other. So I think in terms of the construction of the sport and the way it's competed, I think a yellow is definitely, uh, definitely on call for this. This might be a sport also where you can do things with technology. The way they put trackers and bibs and whatnot, um, you could probably find an accurate way to, to track runners so that they're, they're really not running synchronously at all uh, with one another. So, um, yeah, but I, I think there's challenges. I actually did put yellow down, even though, you know, just coming over from football, I think I was just so eager to hear some green. So, something. yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, so the next one on my list, Karen, I'm going to defer to you. This is your sport. So, so field hockey. What do you think about field hockey? So I really struggle with field hockey because I love the game dearly, but I, as a goalkeeper, I, I know what the scrum is like in front of the cage and the, and the mm -hmm. di desire to score a goal and to, to dig on the ground and try to get the ball lifted over the goalkeeper. It's too easy for that kind of stuff to happen. And I think we also have another variable in this that I don't, I have not read any conclusive research on yet. And that is the condition of the fields, particularly artificial turf fields. Oh, we don't know whether those are, are really kept as clean. Um, I can tell you what I've witnessed on artificial turf fields and you, you wouldn't want to ever sit on them again. So the mm. question of whether they, they are a clean surface and you've got all the other surfaces like the benches and, and any fences around the field and, and the, the, those kinds of areas. So I have it in a strong yellow, but not necessarily, uh, I think, actually, what I would probably encourage is that if field hockey really wanted to play, they would play with uh, seven players instead oh. of one, because it would space the game out even more and let the ball do more of the work rather than the players doing the work. So that's my take. That is it. interesting. Let me let me ask you a question. What is sort of the proportion in college field hockey of indoor to outdoor? Like, is it all outdoor? No, it's well. There's a very strong competitive indoor season around the world, but it's in this much smaller area. It's more like an indoor soccer court. So mm -hmm. it's usually five players plus a goalkeeper, or it could be just five players total. Uh, and it's very it's very much a different strategy in that sport. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that is sort of a medium in terms of the the roster size being a risk factor, you know, individual yeah. sports being a lot difficult than basketball, football, football's with really big team rosters. Interesting. So, so what is the, what is your, what's your lighting? Cause I left this blank here. This is not yeah, even my scorecard. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm you. thinking if you're going to go 11 aside on a turf, I'm thinking that's the worst possible scenario that maybe your grass is better, but even grass across playing across the field rather than the length of the field where you're playing with fewer yeah. players might be the best. Yeah. So is a red light for you? Red red light if you're on turf, 11 mm -hmm. aside. Yellow light if you're playing seven aside across the field. All right. Okay. That's a good hit. I like it. <laughs> so th I didn't even think about turf or, or sort of grass considerations, but that, that also would be something for our next one, which is soccer. Yeah. Uh, so, so soccer, I, you know, I, I'll just lead with the light. I had this as a red light too. You know, it does have a big roster size. Um, it's a lot of running. It's a lot of breathing really hard. There is obviously contact in soccer. You know, we, we didn't really, it early, the early part, we thought that a, a contact transmission was a real risk factor. It turns out that's not as much of a risk in outdoor spaces in terms of the ball getting sweat on it, somebody sneezing on the ball or a goalpost, and that, that's not as risky, but still the, the breathing, people being in close proximity, running into each other, um, big rosters as well. You know, this is where we've actually seen the professional leagues do so that there's the Bundesliga, La Liga, um, they have these, these bubbles they're working with, which is so far working in Europe, but the situation in Europe is also a lot right now better than what we're dealing with here in America. So um, all this comes into my ultimate verdict, which I, I can't see how this is anything other than a red light either, sadly, because I, I played and loved uh, the beautiful game uh, when I was growing up too, so. Yeah, I really love soccer. It's, it is a beautiful game, and but your Europe is light years ahead of where we are. They were one of the earliest ones to close down uh, their soccer be because they were having so many infections. But here's where I worry about it: uh, is not so much in, on the uh, in the game itself, but in the in the transition of the players into the locker rooms. You know, right. 
on the college level, there are very few teams that can totally separate their visiting teams from their home teams in terms of going in and out of doors, sharing training rooms, uh, equipment rooms, that type of thing. So I think the chances are higher when you're mixing that, those size of teams in those spaces, not outside, but inside mm -hmm. when they go in for halftime or other kinds of things. So that's what I worry about. Yeah, I, I share those same fears. Uh, I think it's a medium to larger roster as well. Yeah. But yeah, for all those reasons, I, I, I think red as well. Now there is the, the magic spray. Have you seen the magic spray? A player goes down, uh, and they, they, you know, little, little, little bit of spritzer seems the professionals are, they're, they're, now a lot of this is a stall tactic. Yeah. Uh, right, right, right. But what if you could make that some sort of sanitizer spray? If there's one sport that's used to having players being regularly doused with an aerosol mist, soccer. So Maybe that's a, a creative opportunity for, for college sports. I don't know. Just trying to think out the box You're here. You're sounding dangerously like our president who wants us to inject. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't let the light in your body, Karen. I, I won't either. But yeah. Um, that's great. So, so soccer, uh, women's volleyball next is what I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Volleyball, um, a t again, a tough sport. First off, it's indoor, yeah. right? And yes. we're going to have a whole other discussion about indoor. Um, there's a lot of contact with the ball. I mean, there's just uh, probably mm -hmm. more contact with volleyball in terms of hands and faces yep. because of where you play the ball. That, that really makes the sport very difficult to monitor. So I'm going to give it a red light. Yeah, it, it's a red light for me too. I consulted with my partner on this and she was an intercollegiate volleyball player um, who had brought up some really interesting points. It's really risky for the frontline players. So your, your, your blockers, uh, I don't, there, there's probably more technical terms than tallies and smallies, but you've got the, the blockers, <laughs> you've got the setters. Go with the blockers, that's good. Right, right. And because they are right at the net, right in front of each other. That yeah. net is a, it's a very porous net. You know, you could really fit a baseball through the, the, the gaps there. They're, they're really right up to each other. Um, rosters are sort of medium sized, but it is an indoor sport where you have contact, you have people breathing directly in front of you. It, it might be a sport. Now, you mentioned some modifications you can make to make field hockey uh, safer. This is one where you could have players wearing masks. You're, you're breathing hard. It's a very tough sport, but it's not as maybe aerobically intensive. So you could, masks could help uh, in some way or another. It might not be the most comfortable thing, but um, it's still a red light for, for me. Yeah, and two other things that I would I would point out again with the players being so close, even if the masks are on, they'd have to be fitted completely over the nose and the mouth to not project something into the eyes. We know, I know of at least one mm. reporter who flew on a plane and he was completely masked up, but he didn't have his eyes protected. And he says, "I'm convinced that's where I got it." Is it came into my eyes? The other wow. thing is, is in, in volleyball. You have two referees, and one is standing up on a ladder right next to the net so that he can see the net fouls that come down. So right. he has a whistle. And so we know that when there's a lot of concern now about whistles blowing things out. So what position is he in? To, to that is fascinating. I have not thought about <laughs> whistle innovations and how much spittle. Do you remember that World Cup in, I think it was the South Africa World Cup, where Vuvuzelas were, oh, yes. were, were those horns, yes. which are basically spit funnels. The people and also they're 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 catchers of saliva as well. So if, if that would have been one of the worst sort of confluences of of an instrument, a regional instrument in a pandemic. But I hadn't thought about whistles in athletics kind of doing the same thing, projecting yeah. Yeah. Um, some sort of particulate. Gosh, that is interesting. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Sorry, well, well, I like volleyball. <laughs> I do too. And you know what? The happy thing is we have beach volleyball coming up in the spring. So oh, yes. this this could be a real growth opportunity for beach volleyball here. <laughs> All right, All right. Are you on the winter sports now? No, we've got we've got mine. We've got oh, we've got. Gosh. Sorry, go ahead. It's all right. No, no, that's for last. Maybe no, I, these are all great sports, by the way. We're a fan of all sports, so I, I also just want to disclaim that that you know, just because we're fans, we're rooting for the, the young women who play these sports, and we we really feel for them. I would be um heartbroken if I couldn't if it was such a part of my identity, I couldn't play in this case water polo, which sadly for me is a red light. Now, this is our first aquatic sport, and pools are generally sterile environments. They are. But water polo is, it's a real physical sport. It is, you know, one of the, the, the toughest sports. 
uh, in terms of there's a lot of grabbing and wrestling underwater. You're breathing, you're really close people's heads into, into contact. Also in the course of practices, you're really close to people. I mean, the way that water polo, and I know it's not the most common sport in every state in America, it, it's pretty heavy and popular on the coasts, but it really plays a lot more like basketball with a net and a goalie. A lot of people think of it like soccer because there is a net and a goalie, but no, the way it works. And so you think about a center in basketball whose back is to the basket and posting somebody up. That's essentially the two meter man. So that is just by the nature of the sport, a very risky uh, place to be. Um, I don't see any way around it being a red light, even though these chlorinated pools should be pretty sterile environments. Um, yeah, I've got red. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of with you on the red too, but for different reasons. Uh, you know, when the coach calls timeout and brings all the athletes over to the edge of the pool and wants to oh, yeah. a strategy, you've got problems because you're bringing the bench players down. The coach is usually, you know, kneeling or squatting next to the next to the edge of the pool. For it, sure, it's just problematic on so many levels. This is great. That was a point. I didn't even think about that, Karen. <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to know the most about. So, yeah, yeah. Red, that's a really good point, too. Smaller, uh, you know, sort of player rosters. We've got these deep benches. Fantastic sport. I hope it comes yeah. back soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll have to tally this up later when we're talking about the next one. But uh, okay. I, think I, I think I counted six sports. Uh, we've got five red, just one yellow, with, with maybe a yellowish red for field hockey. Yeah. Um, so it's not looking good this fall. A lot of not red. Good. No, no. Maybe winter will be better. I hope so, but um, I'm not. I'm not overly optimistic. But let's start off with winter sports. What do we got? Well, well, first I think just to keep this this conversation on the same plane of um, you know just to make sure we're sort of apples to apples. We're hoping, of course, the COVID situation improves ASAP. Exactly. But, there's there's reason also to, to believe that you know more glasses have empty and that it won't. So we're just going to assume that the, the same variables that applied to fall will apply because obviously if a vaccine comes around, this is a completely different conversation. But um, in the interest of sort of projecting forward based on what we know now, the first one on my list is basketball. Yeah. Oh boy, we have so think? many problems with basketball. Again, yeah. just like you said with water polo how closely the, the, the athletes guard each other, the huddles. Um, I watched the um, TBT, the basketball tournament, which was the yeah. professional three-on-three, three, uh, win a million dollars if you win the tournament kind of deal that they used uh, athletes in Columbus, Ohio. They quarantined them, test them, and, and then it was regular basketball. And, and, and you just watch how the athletes and the coaches perform. You go back into your normal behaviors when you're competing because that's what's gotten you to this place. And that's exactly the problem with basketball. It's a great point. I mean, more what you said about the way that athletes just subconscious return to what you've been trained to do, that applies to just about any sport. And so it's, it's kind of unfair to athletes to assume that they'll change the way they play the game or, or make themselves less competitive just because there's something subconscious. I don't think anybody's thinking about a pandemic when you're, you know, uh, enjoying something you love so much. Um, yeah, it's a red light for me too. It's just a, a it's a, a, it's been my favorite sport. I'm really excited the NBA is coming back, but you have to do something really drastic, like make this really secure um, bubble or campus, like what, what the NBA and these other sort of um, these summer leagues have done. I don't think any uh, college or uh, sport has that in their plans. I think you're right. And I think it's almost impossible on a college campus anyway. Mm -hmm. Got it. Oh, bummer. I know. We'll see. Yeah, until March, uh, I don't know. Uh, fingers crossed. And again, one of the things that could also really change any sport landscape is, is improved testing. You know, yeah. you have to have lots of testing, but I still think that basketball is one of the, the trickier ones. Yeah. Um, okay. And you'll have to tell me about more about this one in terms of the NCU because I actually was not aware that bowling was an uh, NCAA sport. Yes, but it is. Bowling is an emerging sport and uh, it's played by a lot of Division II schools. Um, it's an interesting sport because it all depends on the way the lanes are cleaned and also the, uh, the air circulation inside of the um, alleys or the competing facilities. Right. Uh, not too many campuses have their own bowling lane, so they have to go off campus and trust that somebody else is going to do the cleaning that's appropriate. That's a good point. And also make sure that all the touch points are constantly cleaned. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a yellow, but I think you really have to trust on the operators of the facilities. 
I didn't think about it. I, I had yellow too. Uh, the key thing preventing it from being green is that it is indoors. There's no way to get it. You are contacting services. Um, yeah, I mean, I th again, it's sort of an individual sport. I mean, you do have a team of bowlers, but you could space them out throughout a facility so that they're not crossing paths, so that not more than one person is, is in the lane any given time. Um, yeah, it's a yellow light for me too. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Next one I've got is uh, as a sport that seems premised on social distance, uh, fencing. <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a green yellow to fencing, again because you know the the fencers themselves can control what they how their equipment is taken care of. The uh -huh. officials are far enough away, and in fact, there's a lot of technology that goes into fencing. Uh, yep. And as long as you've got a, a, an open enough space, which fencers tend to fence inside of large open spaces, I think it has possibility. What do you think? I, I also had green, but at one point it was yellow on my, my Word document <laughs> that has been edited a lot recently when doing research. I wonder if you take the two fencers and you sort of the tip of the, is that six feet? I did not do that little bit of research. I don't I know. No, so. I would think we could get to six feet. Yes. But they're already wearing masks, right. you know, and so right. you can make sure that that's even more, more sort of impermeable to, um, you know, various sort of transmittable things. Um, yeah, the, the, the protective equipment, it's an individual sport. It is indoors, but it doesn't need to be indoors. You could find a way to do it in some sort of setup outdoors. So, so yeah, I have fencing as green too. Yeah, so we have hope. <laughs> we do have hope. <laughs> uh, the next one, this is interesting. We can take a little more time with this because it's one of these sports that's really a lot of different sports. It's gymnastics. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of give you some time to ruminate about this, but my notes, I, I have it as probably red, but it really depends. It, I have it as a red light mostly because of the practicing. The things that, there's a lot of, of physical contact between coaches and spotters. When you have um, gymnasts tumbling around, it, it's also indoors. There's no way to make this exclusively outdoors, but, but it could be yellow for some events. I think in competition, you have... It is one of these sports that's really an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. You know, everybody is scored together, but there's really just one competitor at, at the floor at any given time, unless there's team elements that I'm just, just blanking on. But you can really do these competitions that could be yellow or even green. But to get to that point, all the training, all the contact, um, yeah, I, I think that's why it's, I put it down as red ultimately. Yeah, I think all of it goes back to the training that you do. And gymnasts are some of the hardest, um, you know, most exact athletes that I know. And everything mm -hmm. is about feeling your body in space. And the only way to feel your body is to have either a harness or to have somebody there with you, literally touching you and moving you through that space. Plus, here's a word we haven't used yet, but fomites. There are fomites oh. everywhere in the gym that would need to be cleaned on a regular basis. So do you have some sort of spraying mechanism to, to clean all those surfaces in bulk? I mean, I'm thinking particularly about those pits that have all the, the, um, the foam yeah. uh, blocks in them where they just- I know we were talking about, right, right. Yeah, oh exactly. my goodness. I'm about those things, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is where our, our again, our, our, our thoughts about contact transmission have gone down. But when you have these things that are like sponges for whatever, it, it, you're right that that raises an important concern about sterilization. Now, I'm sure you've been in some gyms, as have I, where that wouldn't be a bad thing to make those things a little bit cleaner. No. Just the environment. <laughs> I, I wrestled in middle school, and oh. I tell you, some of those uh, could benefit from increased sterilization efforts. Yes. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is, a, this is a sport that where if you have just a little bit improved testing, especially among those coaches, those trainers, and the athletes themselves, you could do it safely. Um, again, that, that would presume some sort of that the, everybody's being responsible and not leaving the respective social bubbles of this, this team. But, you know, I think if those trainers and select few were, were tested reliably, um, you could do it. But I, yeah, it's red for me. It's hard. It's really hard on a college campus, and that's what we're talking about right now. Not yeah, the that's, setting. yeah, you're totally right. Uh, ice hockey. It's a big red. It's just a big red. Uh -huh. I mean, it's indoors. Uh, there's lots of uh, <clears throat> inadvertent checking. Although in the NHL, there's a lot of checking, uh, and it's it's just simply the the gear. The gear just gets loaded down with sweat. Uh -huh. 
blood and I mean all kinds of stuff I hate to be that gross but you just think about you know what when they come off the ice how drenched they are <clears throat> absolutely I mean it's maybe the the toughest sport next to water polo of course but of course. just kidding yeah. um no it's a red light for me too the only thoughts that I had to make it safer is you players are wearing helmets with a partial face covering could you extend that maybe but you're right just based on the amount of contact and the, the amount of sweat and sort of uh, bodily materials that are in other other pieces of the the ice or their equipment yeah it's 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 one of the the most contact filled sports we have so i can't go anything less than red and i'll just read one one other small thing that we have not talked about but that is consistent amongst all of these team sports and that's the use of a mouth guard and how often oh. is that mouth guard oh. flying out of your mouth and yeah in hockey quite a bit up by somebody right so that's a good point yeah we had him in a water polo too not not a lot of players wear them but uh yeah that's that's a really good point karen no it doesn't help the, the case doesn't help no a couple couple optimism uh sports coming up uh the first one is rifle oh yeah yeah again if it's if it's got good circulation right uh-huh. and the the athlete is responsible for his or her own equipment Mm-hmm. And, you know, the coach refrains from touching and guiding and things like that. I think it's possible. I, I give it a green. I, I'm with you. I'm green. Now, this is where I sheepishly admit my father was a sportsman. So I may or may not have uh, in my possession several long rifles. But in any case, um, <laughs> I, I do have some experience. That I've been to target ranges. And um, it, it is, it's really easy to create distance because a lot of times these environments are premised around some sort of physical separation between you and other shooters. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that it's a pretty much a green light. It's outdoors generally. I do not know of a lot of indoor rifle ranges. I just don't. So um, I, I really tried to educate myself a lot about intercollegiate rifle. We're not talking about a huge amount of teams, by the way. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a green light. It's already an individual sport has that going for it. I think yeah. the NRA would be happy with our decision. <laughs> Oh boy, that's uh, pandemics make for strange bedfellows. Is that, is that <laughs> that's saying? appropriate? <laughs> um, the, the next one I have, Karen, and you can have to tell me if this is sort of a sport that's that's uh, emerging or a quasi club, but skiing. It's it's regional, obviously, regional. because you know you got to have snow and mountains to be able to do it. Of course, I think you know you've got a really good shot at having skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really depends on the resorts, the comfortableness with bringing outsiders in on a consistent basis. Because again, it's not your ski resort; it's usually the local ski resort. So they've got to be comfortable enough with all their cleaning standards to be able to get it up to par. I would give it. I would give it a yellow green. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I put down green just because it is outdoors. Uh, it's already individual. So yeah, I, I, I don't mean that. I love, and this is something again that, that you've been talking about all these sports is that don't use your own facilities. The facilities themselves are uh, some variety of a risk factor. So you have to put that into your calculus overall. Right, totally. right. exactly. The next one I got, now this is a get back into the world of aquatics, swimming and diving. And it's complicated, it's, it's, it's swimming and diving. Yes. And so I, to me, swimming is like a red light. I would, I would just, now I, I'm sort of a little yellow on, on the whole enterprise, but practicing swimming entails breathing and you're swimming really closely to a lot of other people. I think I gave swimming diving, by the way, overall a, a yellow light. You can limit how many swimmers there are per lane or have empty lanes in between swimmers. Um, so it's not impossible. It's going to be really difficult to do in terms of pool time, training. I mean, this is a year that across all of sport, we're not going to see a lot of records being broken just because of how difficult it is to, to train, to practice in this environment. Um, but uh, so, so I think swimming is possible. You can't have multiple people in a lane with each, with each other. It's just not gonna work. Uh, you're breathing too close to one another. Diving, however, I think is a green light. I don't see much problem there. Um, diving can be indoors. And by the way, pools throughout the country, summer, outdoor, summer, indoor, that is a risk factor back to what we said about facilities. Um, I mean, the only thing that I think divers are give is you can't really hang in the hot tub as much pre or post dive. We see those divers in the Olympics. Uh, There's always sort of a hot tub or a a lukewarm pool waiting area that looks like a grotto or something. And (laughs) you can't, you can't have people in the grotto as (laughs) as much or as dense as you once did. That's the one caveat I'd say. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards yellow red only because Mm -hmm. most of the times when aquatic facilities are built, except for the really new ones, 
they're built with small locker rooms because lockers, you know, the idea is to oh. get the clothes off and get, the, get out on the deck and start doing it. So there, there's space on the deck. But again, it's that choke point is. of coming in and out of the locker rooms and how clean they are. The other piece, and maybe you know this, Ross, I don't, but do we know anything about humidity in COVID? Do we know anything about the humidity of the pool environment and if it accelerates spread at all? I haven't read anything. It, it's, a, it's a really good question. This is where I wish I did more epidemiological research prior to this pod, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not gonna say too much about that because I'm not an expert. And so I don't wanna say something that's a being wrong. Um, I, I do not. I'll say that uh, Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, it is really humid out right now. But this is, I think we, we have a risk of going back into like, you know, sort of the administration's, um, federal administration's guidance of like, you know, uh, you know, putting bleach into you or something like that. Like, well, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to go into the recommendation. Where yeah. I think there was a belief at one point that, that it would just die out in the summer. And clearly that has not happened with COVID. Yeah. And basically, what I see about trends, you know, it could get worse in the winter because a lot of people are hanging indoors. Yeah, um, yeah. You might hear things about the, the 1918 flu yeah. uh, and so yeah. forth, but yeah, no, I do not know much about humidity. I yeah. can't really assess so, that. So, again, that's, that's what makes me more cautious. So, I'm thinking uh, red, yellow, maybe some orange. I'm going with orange on that one. Okay, great, great. Um, yeah, I think I'd yellow overall. But I also separated swimming and diving. I don't know if that's cheating, but... Um, maybe, I don't know if this is possible, Karen, could they just do a diving team? Could they just do diving? You know, could they, they could. This? Have they ever? No. It's oftentimes where you have a swimming team without a diving team, but it's very rare that you have a diving team without a swimming team. Right, right. Well, we'll see. This is a very strange year. Maybe, maybe yes. some time for, for uh, Absolutely. different ideas. Uh, Absolutely. Indoor track and field. So I got to give it a strong red. Strong red. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a very tightly run races around these banked indoor tracks, and you're jockeying and elbowing. Not not unlike some of the cross country things that I used earlier, but now you're inside, and there's hardly any room for spectators. So if you bring even in, you know, uh, support staff and and visiting team folks, there's there's nowhere for people to stand except in the middle infield, which then puts people less than six feet apart from one another. So it becomes really hard to find places to warm up, to sit down, to stretch out. It's just not, it's not conducive to having that social distancing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I had to do some research on the difference between indoor and outdoor track and field. I thought I knew what it was, but I mean, I think my sort of surface reaction was it has indoor in the name of the sport, which is a risk factor. So right. um, once I looked more into it, once I talked with you a little bit, you know, I was sort of yellow, but unsure, but I'm going to defer to you and just go with red. That, yeah. That, that's overwhelming in terms of the, the argument. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, the last one I have uh, for the winter is wrestling, men's wrestling. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, did you want to go ahead? Wrestling as you, as start, is starting to be added on campuses as well. So it's a sport mm -hmm. where they're trying to see growth on the women's side as well. But it's a hard red for yeah. either, either gender. It's a hard red. There's just too many ways to, to share unless you have a bubble. And again, you can't have college sports in a bubble. So that's where I go with this. No. Yeah, I said probably red too. It's just extremely close contact. I mean, again, a bubble is one thing, but if you had really rapid testing, if you had a really improved testing infrastructure where you'd get results, you could take and get results really quickly. You know, you could, if you could isolate individual players, coaches, that would really improve the safety of that sport. Kind of similar to what we were talking about with, with some gymnastics. Um, but yeah, I mean, sparring and practice, you know, there's just so much you can get from members of what can be really big teams. So, Absolutely. uh, right you. all right. So I think let's, that's it. Let's, for, move, let's, yeah, let's move quickly through the spring sports. Yeah. For, for the winter, I had, uh, the three greens were rifle fencing and skiing, three yellow, four red spring. The first one is baseball and softball. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're seeing baseball played right now. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, the Phillies have got uh, a team they faced yesterday that has now 14 positive tests on the roster. And two coaches. Uh, and two coaches, that's right. So um, there's a lot of things that have to be done, again, off the field that keeps the players and the coaches and the rest of the staff safe. And that gets into square footage in the locker room and training rooms and hitting tunnels and all those kinds of things. So... I, I would say um, it's a yellow at this point. I really would. 
Uh, again, we're agreeing. I had yellow too. So, so Major League Baseball isn't doing a great job right now. I mean, big roster sizes, they're not in a bubble. This is one of the few professional leagues that are not doing any sort of uh, biosecure environment. But it is a sport that there is some spatial distance on the field. Even catchers and batters and umpires are, are pretty far. It doesn't look very far apart on TV. I don't think they're six feet apart, but in any case, those players, at least the umpire or the catcher, are already wearing a mask. You could improve on that. I think this is my one sort of added thing we haven't talked about yet, but it's a spitting sport, especially for the men. Sport. And they're supposed, so to, it, it would... they're supposed to, but I'm, again, it's old habits. You go back to what you do when you're competing, mm -hmm. right? What, what mm -hmm. calms your nerves? You know, you yeah. get into some of these habits. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I mean, oh, so there would, there would need to be some cultural change there. Yes, and, yes. And I'm going to push back. I, I think having that home plate umpire lurking over the catcher's shoulder is a problem. Mm. Maybe you could reposition them. Um, I, at one point, the major league like technology back in the nineties, there was this Quest Tech technology that was like a you know computer umpire. Maybe it's time to bring back Quest Tech in the name of safety. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Yet another reason that that people are getting uh, moved out of jobs by technology. But that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. <laughs> think about that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you also mentioned with water polo players being close together. In this case, the dugout, you'd have to space them out there as well. Same that need to be looked at yeah. too. Same thing. Next one is golf. What do you think, Karen? I think it's very doable. Um, I think, again, it depends on the comfort of the facility you're playing on, because oftentimes you're playing in local facilities. But I think we're seeing that people can play it comfortably as long as they're responsible about, you know, share, not sharing carts and not sharing common tools. But I think golf has a real shot. So I'm going to give it a green. Yeah, I'm green with golf, too. It's outdoor. It's individual. Um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing professional golf not have too many issues. Uh, you know, testing helps that even more. So, yeah, green light for me. Sure. All right. Uh, and I'm going to refer to you to this, Karen, just because of its similarity to uh, field hockey. Uh, but lacrosse. Boy, I'll tell you, I got to give it a pretty hard red on the med side and a pretty uh, – an orange on the women's side, only because the mm -hmm. women's game tends to be more spread out. The men's game, of course, plays with helmets – shoulder pads, elbow guards, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's a physical sport by nature. It's you're designed oh, to yeah. lean in and attack. So I, I got to say, and, and I'll go back to the turf again, you know, because uh, uh, athletes in lacrosse go digging for ground balls, go lifting up stuff to try to get underneath the ball. And you don't know, I, we don't know enough yet about these turfs as to what they hold in terms of viruses. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I'm going to defer to you on that, but I was envisioning red. I had just a tentative red myself just because, again, so much contact and also pretty big team sizes. Yes, exactly. Outdoors. So it, is, it is mostly outdoors. It yeah, has that going yes. for it. Yes, right. Also outdoors is rowing. Wow. Um, this is sort of well, new to me. I didn't have a lot of exposure to rowing growing up. There's some really good teams on the West Coast where I'm from. Uh, clearly, it's an outdoor sport. It has that going yes. for it. Well, again, you got to think about where they can train. And ergs, ergs can be done individually. So a lot of rolling teams right now are, are training uh, remotely, which is fine. And there's certainly a sense that you can get into uh, a single skull or, a, you know, a pairs situation. But, but college rowing is about the big boats, right? The, the fours, fours and the eights, yeah. And so uh, how, you, how you pull that off, I, I don't know in this environment because – that you need that same group to train day in and day out. Again, if they were isolated and protected and all that kind of thing, I could see it. But mm -hmm. you know, they would need to be together a lot. And I don't know how you create that pod without injecting COVID into it. I also wonder if it's safer that they're all facing each other's backs, except for the coxman who could wear a mask. I don't know how the voice would, would project wearing a mask, so they need to work that out. Yeah. But um, you know, I have yellow, just I'm not, not sure about these variables, about yeah. is it safer to be breathing on someone's back? Certainly it is as opposed to their face. Um, I think you can do things to improve the sport like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I had yellow, but unless you're, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm leanable either way. The only thing I would say is once you get going, you know, you've got, you're going at a pretty good clip. You're actually, when you're breathing hard, you're actually, your, your breath is going to go backwards because of the wind. Oh right? my God, that's right. Back behind you. So, that's what I'm concerned about. But like mm -hmm. I said, with the sport of field hockey, perhaps you could make some modifications and not be so dependent on fours and eights. Maybe there's a way to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying about the individuals and the pairs. That, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Okay. 
Got it. Well, probably red, maybe yellow, hopefully. And yeah. this is a spring sport, too. We're in the spring. True. Hopefully so, things will improve. Hopefully, yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, okay, tennis. I'm, I'm giving it a strong uh, green. I, I really am. I think uh, what we're seeing down in West Virginia right now with the green at the Greenbrier Resort with the World Team Tennis, which is a team sport, uh, they, they are all next to each other, but they're in a bubble. And in, in, in um, college tennis, that you play your matches consecutively. So the, the players, your, your one singles will play and, and, and your twos and threes will all play at the same time on parallel courts. So you're not gathered together. So you can also, you can use your own balls if you wanted to, so that you're not touching each other's uh, tennis balls. True. And, you know, you can basically, you know, keep the, the sitting uh, away from each other. So I'm giving it a green. Even doubles? Yeah, I think so. I think we can make it work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had yellow. I think, I mean, obviously singles is going to be safer. You're, you're pretty distant. Um, you do have that whistle issue similar to, to volleyball. So we'd have to think about that a little bit. But yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely. You don't use the whistle in college tennis, so you don't have to worry about that. No, that's right. You're just a line judge. Right. Um, or you, you got the, yeah, the umpire. Right, right. And, and a lot of matches, actually, they, you just call your own lines. So, because yeah. they, they can't afford to pay for a line judge. Or... <laughs> I'm so, I just changed the tally to, to, to green. You, you, you've convinced me. I couldn't think, I mean, it's definitely not red. I thought of yellow just because of doubles or because you do have some, once it goes, once you're volleying at the net, it can get pretty close. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it makes sense to be green. I think that could happen. I, I see a path forward for tennis. I, I do too, good. yes. Um, all right, this might take a little bit. We'll try to get through it. Outdoor track and field. So you have more space, right? Uh, the track is longer. Uh, the, the lanes, you know, the idea of, of staying in your lanes is somewhat consistent, particularly for the shorter races, the 100s, the 200s. Uh, when you go to field sports, there's spacing there, whether you've got the, the pole vault or the high jump or the shot put or the javelin. Um, you might just have to really think of though about the size of your of your events. In other words, instead of having an all-comers match where anybody wants to jump into the 800 can, maybe you say we're only going to have four in the 800, and and that that's how we get this thing off. So you, you shrink your numbers of competitors. So I'm in the uh, yellow yellow green if they make some adjustments. Yeah, I think it kind of depends. Sort of like what split like what we do with swimming and diving. You know, I think the field of track and field is okay. You know, if we're talking like you know hammer throw, discus, we're talking about like pole vault. Longer. It's about equipment. It's all the same considerations that we mentioned before. Track seems harder because you are running so close next to people, breathing really, really hard. Um, they've been doing some interesting things with technology, though. Did you get the, the story? Uh, I think it was Justin Gatlin who, who broke this record. He almost evidently broke Usain Bolt's record, but it turns out they put the starting blocks in the wrong place. So instead of a 200 meter, he only ran 185 meters. Um, but, uh, you know, that was the innovation. There was, they had this remote track and field competition where everybody's running on these individual tracks. And I don't know if it's, it's being broadcast by Zoom or something, but in any case, they, 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 this, the error there was human error. But you could do some innovative things to keep teams apart or to record official times and just stagger it out, I would think. So yeah, there could be some innovation just, there. Or just invite fewer people to your meet too, you know? Sure. <laughs> so you're saying we're not going to see pen relays anytime soon. I'm, I'm taking I'm it. thinking pen relays might be out another year, unfortunately. Might be, might be. Yeah. It's spring, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. All right. And then the next one, a major growth opportunity for beach volleyball. <laughs> I, I have it at least, I mean, I think yellow, Karen. I mean, limited only by... The, the amount of landlocked states we have that, that have beaches. Now, a lot of places have sand, so, but I think, you know, beach volleyball is, is definitely better than volleyball. I'm with you, I, although I'm going green. It's outdoors, green. you generally play yeah. it in the sunshine, you don't play it in downpours. Uh, there's a lot of spacing in the strategy of the two players working, you know, with each other. I'm going green all the way. It has that going for it too. Small teams, again, with these small teams or individual sports, yeah. these are great candidates for testing, making a huge difference, which hopefully by spring that'll at least be in place. Exactly. Um, yeah, let's go. Let's 
great sport. Beach yep, volleyball. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and the last one, is this a sport? I did not realize that equestrian was on the NC2A's website. Is that a thing or? Well, they don't have an NCAA championship, but there are a number of schools that have, for whatever reason, access to horses and barns and, and trailers and that type of thing. So they do compete in it. Um, now, you've done a little bit of research on the horses. I myself would be more worried about the, the athletes, but, uh, but the, the, the uh, human athletes. But I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have as many concerns about, about that from a human athlete perspective. But what do you think from the equine perspective? Well, yeah, I, I did a little bit too much research uh, on, on equestrian. I, my neighbors are veterinary researchers, and so I spent a lot of time chatting with them about this particular bullet. And a little bit too much time also on the American Veterinary Medicine Association webpage, um, talking about transmission to pets, a lot of concerns about doggies and kitties, with which there's been a few. Uh, and apparently there's been a huge outbreak in mink farms in the Netherlands. So um, this, I, I think I'm straying dangerously away from college athletes here, but uh, you know, don't, don't try to uh, transport mink manure anytime soon because there's an international ban on it apparently. Um, <laughs> But back to college students riding in horses in competition, I would say green light. I mean, it's outdoors, it's individual. Uh, it's the kind of thing where I've seen on TV and it's, it's amazing that there are some institutions that have access to these things. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think in terms of human to human transmission, it's a lot of the same things you talked about with facilities, um, sort of making sure that the coaches and, and sort of the trainers are all, all protected. But horses don't seem to pose a risk either in terms of absorbing nor transmitting COVID. So that's good news. Thank goodness. Man, oh man, I would hate to have anything happen to the horses. <laughs> Can't have that. Um, all right, so that was eight sports total, one red, four yellow, and, and a couple green ones, tennis and golf. So that was the spring, and that's the roundup. Okay, so we're feeling, we're feeling good about individual sports uh, or, or small numbers of sports where you de-densify the population. Ideally, you want to either be outside or you want to be in a place that has good circulation where there's lots of spacing. And most importantly, you want to think about everything that happens to get the athletes into the pool or into the court or onto the field, those choke points in terms of locker rooms, in terms of training rooms where athletes can easily pile up like, a, like an expressway uh, log jam at five o'clock on the scoop. It's a great point, Karen. And the things that could really turn around the landscape for NC2A sports are like the rest of us, a vaccine, of course. But uh, short of that, really quick testing that will even sort of help the, uh, the, the individual and sort of smaller team sports especially. Um, yeah, I think those are things that could, could be brought into. And we'll see if there's going to be innovation. I'm really interested to see what these sports do in terms of modifying rules, maybe just for hopefully this season, if not longer, in terms of making their sports safer in this pandemic environment. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do to be able to play what you love. Yeah, and overarching all of this, I was talking to a colleague who's a trustee today. Uh, you know, this could happen, and this is what we didn't talk about, but it's all entirely possible that an outbreak could happen at any college or university, and that college or university, hey, we have to go back to what we were doing in March, sorry about that. Yeah. So <laughs> overshadowing all of this concern about sports are our larger concerns that can happen. Uh, in a residential campus or even a commuter campus. Absolutely. Well, Ross Akins, thank you so much for bringing all your health perspective to the uh, conversation. It was a great conversation, and we'll keep our eyes open on whether they take our advice. It's a lot of fun, Karen. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you.